Welcome to the Nut Bar Live. Uh, I'm JB. And I'm David Cunningham. Uh, tonight is episode four. We thought we'd focus on the OCR, which is coming up on Wednesday, the 24th of May. Give you a bit of a shadow squirrel view of uh, what we think will happen. Uh, and uh, by the time you listen to this, we would have either been right or wrong. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Um, you know, the wholesale markets has been really interesting the last week or so have the swap rates, which are the thing that drive fixed mortgage rates, have lifted by 0.4% over the last week. That's the one year. The two year is also up 0.4. So in other words, for the next two years, according to the market, swap rates and therefore mortgage rates are going to be 0.4 higher than the market thought a week or two ago. Um, the three year even is up a quarter of a percent. And so, you know, what the Reserve Bank does this Wednesday is really critical. And one of the sort of key things I've observed is that migration and not a not so no frills budget <laughs> seem to have been the two catalysts for economists to change their views. So we'll explore that today and give our reflection on what Mr. Orr should do on Wednesday. So, JB, let's, should we start with migration and, and how that seems to have been created a lot of noise over the last week or two? Yeah, well, I mean, clearly migration numbers are up. And what are they forecasting now, about 100,000? Yeah, yeah. I mean, traditionally leading into the COVID, into COVID um, we were getting about 150,000 net migrants a year. Um, the forecast is that that pent-up demand from overseas people to come and come to New Zealand uh, we'll see 100,000 net migrants this calendar year, but then dropping back to 50,000 next year. So I suppose you could argue it's that extra 50,000 over and above what was sort of expected that's emerged just through really what, what, strong migration numbers. Which, which, is, which is normal, right? It'd be interesting to know, I don't know if you know actually, how many actually left during COVID. Yeah, uh, net migration was mildly negative. Yeah, yeah. So that was the doctors and nurses that <laughs> didn't get their visas and so on going home, yeah. and a few other people. But well, yeah, it was and, about zero. And all the ones on working visas that left. Because yeah, I mean, a yeah. big. I mean, if you think about where the shortages are, like you know, hospitality, mm. tourism, um, uh, farm workers yep. has been an area. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's quite broad, really. I know that there's been a massive shortage of bus drivers, truck drivers. Yeah, technical services, you know, I don't know about bankers, but... There's <laughs> <laughs> always enough bankers. Um, always too many, some would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it feels like a bit of a catch-up, right? But this is the interesting thing about immigration, because there's this, there's this assumption that it's inflationary, but... If anything, it's going to take, it's a release valve. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, the economics updates I've read from various forecasters over the last week sort of say, you know, demand is higher because of more migration and therefore it's inflationary. I'd stand back and go, actually, it's exactly what the Reserve Bank needed in terms of a release valve. Because remember, go back to November last year, the Reserve Bank said, we are going to put this economy into recession to reduce demand and push unemployment up. Actually, what's happening now is those migrants are easing that wage pressure. You know, think inflation, wage price spiral sort of thing. So they're easing that. So it's that release valve the Reserve Bank's probably been searching for and probably means, good news for New Zealand, that we're not going to be thrown into a recession because that extra demand from those migrants will soak up some of that, um, some of that weakness from New Zealand households, which we can come to in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I guess the way I think about it is that, you know, you had businesses that were so desperate for staff that you were seeing crazy things happening. Like, you know, at one stage, 
you know, um, sort of in the horticulture industry, people were paying forty dollars an hour for pickers. Hmm. Jeez, I almost gave up and <laughs> we didn't put the sun hat on and yeah, pick, pick kiwi fruit in the in the tarongi. It would have been nice over summer, right? But but the, the you know but that, that's what was happening because we had such a massive labour shortage and it was so broad mm. um, that you know higher levels of immigration are going to solve that problem. Mm. Uh, it's going to put us under less pressure in terms of this wage inflation spiral, um, which sort of settles things down and. Um, and that was probably the missing ingredient, mm. you know, I'd argue, in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah. us I mean, getting inflation expectations back down to where they yeah, need to be. Yeah, I mean, arguably, take house prices out of the equation, arguably the migrants um, in the sort of seven or eight years leading into COVID, you know, those 400-odd thousand migrants um, did, you know, reduce inflation because, you know, they, they, you know, demand was high, demand for workers was high, but there was quite a steady supply. How the other thing is, um, working holiday uh, visas or, you know, like my nephew's here from England and, you know, so he's a worker that can work in a, you know, pub or whatever it is. And so, you know, think about Queenstown, you just couldn't find workers. Um, mm. Even three months ago, you know, the restaurants and bars were shutting two nights a week. Yeah. Those workers are back in New Zealand now, right? Like, so tourism's up, but with that comes some of those people that will, you know, I don't know if they're working holiday visas. Um, I imagine they're counted as travellers um, as opposed to migrants. So, you know, there's another release valve too. Yeah. So, like, okay. So, so you know, the counter view to immigration as inflationary is we actually have uh, certainly from an accommodation perspective, we've had a we've had a, a surplus of property available in the market. Mm. So. There's no Most notably in Auckland Day, eh, which is yeah. where a lot of migrants come. I think it's 50 or 60% of migrants come to Auckland. And so, yeah. you know, there's surplus accommodation. You know, CBD, you could get an apartment drop of a hat um, six months ago, uh, couldn't you? Yeah, it's changing now, but, mm. but there's certainly been surplus accommodation there. So, so they're, they're mopping that up. Mm. Hey, that's a good thing. It's not necessarily inflationary. We're not, we're not seeing what they're seeing in Australia at the moment, which is... You know, there's a massive rental shortage in Australia with the level of immigration that they've had. Mm. Um, we're not seeing that. Um, it, it, it's really just mopping up uh, what was surplus. Um, it, it, it sorts itself out from a from a wage inflation perspective. Um, you know, so it gets we get a bit of cost control coming through in a, a lot of industries. Um, so that's that's all sounding good. Um, Talk to me about the budget, because, I mean, that was that was the other big news last week. Yeah, well, you know, Grant Robertson had prepared us for a no-frills budget, and on the day, the government spending was higher than expected, and plenty of economists, and particularly media, jumped on it and characterised it as expansionary, more expansionary and less no-frills than expected. Now, interestingly, you know, in behind the budget is some pretty robust analysis in the government treasury, um, they specifically said higher interest rates will continue dampening inflationary pressures. So their view was it wasn't inflationary, but bless their hearts, the media and some economists sort of jumped on it as inflationary, and they basically sort of positioned it positioned it as the governor will have to raise interest rates 50 basis points, not 25, because of the budget. But I stand back and go, well, hold on, my daughter's getting free bus fares soon, we're all getting free prescriptions, the government will build some more houses. Now, the interesting thing is when you look at the government impact on inflation, what is going to happen in July is when those travel and petrol subsidies are removed and road user yeah. charges, it's yeah. going to see 
a significant increase in inflation in the September quarter, and that's in all the forecasts. But of course, the Reserve Bank's role is to look through things like that. So, so what I'd say is the underlying inflation forecast, when you look at the headlines, the real outcome that the Reserve Bank will be looking at will be much lower. So yeah, I don't, I don't buy that um, the, the budget was no frills. In many ways, it's good that the government's taking the opportunity to build more houses which, you know, arguably eases rent pressures and things like that because we've seen building consents come down pretty yeah. materially. So there's totally. surplus capacity. There's a you lot know, of so surplus sort of, capacity. So it's sort of feeding into it. It's actually the right thing. Think about Kiwi Build. The economy was booming. House build, building was booming. That's why no houses got built in Kiwi Build. Ironically, now it's not branded Kiwi Build. <laughs> the government's actually building lots of houses. So, yeah, so I don't look at the budget as being um, expansionary. No, I, I, I don't at all. I mean, I, it was pretty boring, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't see the inflation coming through in that in that budget. Um, mm. Like like you said, I mean, free prescriptions is not going to drive inflation. <laughs> no, no. Hey, as a mortgage advisor, you speak to heaps of customers. What what pain is out there for? For mortgage customers, because well, interest is, rates are still yeah. way above where they were, right? Eh? Well, the, the, yeah, I mean, this is the other side of it, right? So, so we've been talking about immigration, and we've been talking about the budget, which I think is pretty, pretty boring, uh, and certainly doesn't feel inflationary to me. Um, the the final piece to this puzzle, I guess, is the impact of you know increasing interest rates on existing borrowers. And mm. I mean, you said it in uh, mm. earlier. Um, one of these podcasts where you know, you know, the average borrow rate at the moment uh, is it's gone from three point two up to four point four percent, but we've still got a wee way to go, right? Because hmm. I mean, what's the best interest rate out there now? It's around six point five, six point six for one or for, two for years. A, for a, for a one year, two yeah. years maybe six point four. Hmm. Five year rates are, are lower, but but you know you wouldn't want to go out there at the moment. So, so they're up a lot. Now, if, if borrowers are at 4.4 and the best rate they can get at the moment is 6.5, there's still a hell of a lot of tightening to flow through, right? Yeah. And we're, we're seeing this every day. You know, we're seeing, I, I was dealing with a client today, still coming off, uh, they coming off 2.49. Whoa. At the end of this <laughs> month. so good. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. God, in hindsight, eh? They're coming off 2.49 at the end of this month and they're going to be going to 6.5. So that's now, 4% more. Four, how big's the loan? Uh, they were on about 500k, but only half of it's rolling. Okay, so 254%, that's 10,000, which is like close to 15,000 pre-tax. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, right? Now, the thing is that at the moment, they were able to save $800 a month. That's how much they've been saving after all of their living costs have been saving $800 a month. That's gone. Right. That's now zero. 800 a month, that's eight to dollars Six hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so that's gone. That's gone. And yep. the and <laughs> and they need to earn still more pre. You know, they're still down because you know pre tax, post tax, and all that. Yeah, that well, right? well oh, but yeah. but look, this is a client that's actually in a really good financial position, and and probably it's not it's not, it's not the best example to use. But here's someone that was able to save that can no longer save. Yeah. But so for every one of those, there's someone that was on the bread. You know, break it. You know, didn't have a lot of capacity. Oh, that is now having to. You know. Adjust their expenditure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, I, and, and so we've got another, we've had 1.2%, we've got another 1.5%. So if you think households have contracted their spending, shit, there's a hell of a lot more to come. Um, you know, it's interesting looking at uh, uh, spending volumes because actually we're getting 
less for more. If you look at household spending stuff, yes, we're paying more, but we're getting less for it because we're buying less stuff. It's just that prices are higher. And we're only just, we're probably halfway through the tightening cycle for households. The monetary policy cycle in terms of pure wholesale is near the end, if not at the end, I'd argue it should be at the end because we've still got this massive tightening still to come. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you think you've got another one and a half percent to go on close to four hundred billion dollars of lending, mm. that's uh, that's six billion dollars that's so, going to come so, out. So, right? what, what about actual inflation? Since since the Reserve Bank last changed pushed up the OCR fifty points, the we've had the inflation outcome. So that came in below Reserve Bank yeah. expectations. So, so that was. 0.7 below, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Reserve Bank forecast 7.3, so that's historical looking, obviously, March year, year to March. It came in at 6.7. Now, that's a massive variance, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, it's probably one of the biggest I can recall. And so. and also, if you think about the future expectations, they've come back quite a bit as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, there was a survey of um, business leaders and professional forecasters. It came out a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago. And um, the one year ahead, inflation expectations fell by 0.8% versus the previous quarter, and the two year ahead is actually back at 2.79. And so, you know, the markets or forecasters are saying we'll be back within that band. The question is, how much do you need to kill the economy to get there faster? Or do you do what most central banks are now doing around the world and sort of sitting and pausing? And, And the argument for doing that in New Zealand is much stronger just because of that fixed rate wave that is the monetary well, policy tightening but this is that thing, happens right? every day. Why do more, right? There's another $6 billion to come out of Kiwi back pockets. Right. So that's the monetary policy tightening that that that's that it's going to happen anyway. Bank have delivered. Yeah. It's going to happen anyway, and it hasn't. It's not. It hasn't fully worked its way so, through the system yet. So why have financial markets lifted interest rates forty basis points? I have no week? idea. Well, here, here's a here's a theory from me. Yeah. You know, financial markets participants make money out of volatility, right? Yeah. And so it makes sense to create headlines that create that volatility and as a trader you push things too far one way and too far the other way should interest rates have been zero no should interest rates be six percent tomorrow no um and and so you know markets thrive on volatility and so i'd argue that the current level you know as at today going into this ocr is above where it needs to where it should be actually yeah, yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, there's certainly been a lot of volatility in interest rates in the last three or four months, right, as the mm. market sort of tries to predict what the top of the mm. cycle looks like. You mm. know, we've seen mm. it jumping up and down. It, it jumps up and it jumps down quite quickly as mm. well. So, mm. it's, it, I mean, that volatility is going both ways. I think what you're sort of seeing with the markets is that it is knee-jerking mm. to specific pieces of news. Yeah. So, like, last week it was all about the budget and immigration. Almost without analysing it. It's just yeah. like, oh, expansion, you know, the headline's this, yeah. bang, rates go up. But equally, we've seen falls, right? So, um, you know, what, what's it going to, well, I guess we'll see on Wednesday. You know, the, the Reserve Bank is in, a, is in a pretty strong position to move rates come Wednesday, depending on what well, it says. Well, they can just validate what the market wants. But like last time, they <laughs> surprised the market. I mean, here's what I think the Reserve Bank should do. I think the Reserve Bank should leave the OCR where it is. They've done the job. You know it's not going to. The, the monetary policy cycle, you know, for households is still limited tight and it's still continuing. What they should do is hold the OCR at five and a quarter 
and use OMO, open mouth operations, to tell the market we expect interest rates are gonna stay at these levels, the OCR at these levels for at least a year. That way, wholesale rates won't fall that much. They'll sort of hold up. So, you know, what the Reserve Bank said last month when they raised the OCR 50 against the market's expectation of 25 was that they didn't want swap rates to drop. We can deliver that through what you say. And if you look overseas, you see, you know, Powell in the US and, and, and over in Australia, the governor there, they use those sort of signalling really effectively to set expectations for the market. So if the market gets ahead of itself or behind itself, they'll use that as opposed to the blunt instrument of OCR. So look, my, my, my lesson, message to, to Mr. Orr is don't kill the economy and inflict more pain because there's plenty coming already um, to slay the dragon faster because the dragon is all, already, you know, I think you had a Half good dead. analogy you know, from, what was it? Listen. Well, they're, they're, yeah, look, he's missing a couple of arms and legs already. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so, it was Monty so Python. But so that's my plea to, to Adrian, uh, or uh, in the Reserve Bank Monetary look, Policy I think, Committee. I, I, I think the OCR is going to go 25 because that's what the Reserve Bank said they would do. Um, it's more than priced in, so, um, you know, it's not, it won't move rates. Um, I think the really interesting thing here is not going to be the OCR move because I, I, I'm pretty sure they'll go 25. Um, but uh, it's going to be the forward-looking projections and the commentary that sits around it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's where the interest is going to be because that's where we're going to get a sense for whether or not the Reserve Bank believes it's on top of it mm, mm. And, and to what extent. And, and I, I, look, I'm with you. I think they are. I think everything's lined up for this thing to go to where it needs to go. I, I think this is the end of the tightening cycle. Um, I certainly don't buy into the, the view 6%. that it needs to go to 6%. Yeah. I think there's so much tightening still to come through mm. that um, we're, we're here. But mm. I guess we're going to get the Reserve Bank Governor's mm. view on, on Wednesday, right? Mm. So what does it mean for fixed rates? If it is 25, but it is like a forward track that's 5.5 OCR, what would that do for fixed mortgage rates? Uh, well, nothing really. Okay. Um, so they'll sort of hold at that six and a half. They'll, they'll sort of hold yeah. around this level for for a while until the economy slows down, and then you know, uh, at some point we're going to see rates fall. At the moment, I'm kind of thinking somewhere between six and twelve months out. There's clearly not going to be a rapid yeah. reduction in rates. But if the Reserve Bank had a higher Ford OCR track, which they could do, right? They could that come would out see fixed rates rise probably. It, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, short term rates. Short term rates. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it all really comes out to what the Reserve Bank sees its forward view on the OCR looking like. Like if they price in another increase. Mm. That, that could definitely send those short-term fixed rates up a little bit higher. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, um, if you need advice on your mortgage, uh, JB and the team at Squirrel <laughs> are there to help you out. Uh, if you love these high fixed rates because you've got money invested, never forget about the, the depositors who are getting fantastic rates. Um, there's a great option with the Squirrel call account paying 5%. And uh, my viewers, Mr. Orr, don't do it. JB's viewers... Well, I'd say don't do it, but you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, hopefully that's a, a useful perspective. By the time some of you listen to this, you'll be able to laugh at us and go, ha ha, you idiots got it wrong. Or boy, you guys had incredible foresight. Yeah. Um, we will see. Uh, next week, we're going to cross the Tasman and get some perspectives from across there with one of our guests, the first guest on the Live at the Nut Bar podcast. So it's bye from me. And bye from me next week. 
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.